Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the wealth within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcast globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. This episode is a recording of our live YouTube weekly stock market show. Every Tuesday night, Dale and Janine stream live on YouTube from 7 to 8pm to answer your most burning questions, as well as analyse stock for our viewers. To watch the show, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the stock market show under the Learning Centre. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Good evening and welcome to Wealth Within Live, the Australian stock market show where you ask the questions and we give you the answers about all things investing and trading. We have an information-packed show lined up for you tonight that will again challenge your thinking about how the markets actually work. We'll again dispel another market myth and look at investing in international stock markets and diversification. Now, it's the first Tuesday in the month, and that means we get into the Australian market and give you our thoughts on where it's headed and where the opportunities will be. We'll also answer your questions and look at the stocks you're interested in, give you our expert opinion and a whole lot more. So sit back and get ready to hang on to your seats as we take you through another great Australian stock market show. Hello, I'm Dale Gillam, Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within and joining me tonight is our super fantastic Senior Analyst Janine Cox and we are Australia's most trusted stock market educators. Welcome back, Dale. I thought you were joining me tonight. <laughs> I've been dying to ask, how was your holiday? <laughs> yeah, we've had, we haven't even seen each other, really, have we? No, since? I got a hug finally. <laughs> you got a hug finally, yeah. It's like you come back for two weeks and then I'm gone. So You looked a bit rough, though. When you I was. Back. I was a bit unshaven. I was like 23 You've done your hours. hair today, which is great, you just know, for the show. I did. I was becoming the Neanderthal man, unshaven, <laughs> hair all over the place. First time I've had a tie on in two weeks, so <laughs> which is good. Put on a kilo, did lots wow. of swimming and sleeping and uh, taking it pretty easy, actually. Well, that's so good. Nice. Good but for you. I might tell you a story later on. How okay. That? We might actually do that. But uh, now, Everyone's <laughs> waiting to hear the juicy details, so you're going to leave it till the end of the show, are you? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be right. Also, um, come on, guys out there, give Dale a dig about Geelong losing. I've been oh, hanging yeah. out for people to make comments about that. You weren't happy, were you? Well, I know, because, I mean, I, I couldn't even watch the game anyway, because <laughs> I was like, I was got that. You probably got messages, though, did you? No, I got a couple of texts, yeah, from my mates, you know, when the game was on, and so I knew what was going on, but I got that. I knew you you'd watch the show. Yeah, well, I was watching the show, but that wasn't the football wasn't on the same night, so okay. it was a bit different. But I got mm. that KO Sports thing of subscription, and I watched the games. You okay. know, on my iPad or that. Here's me, and I'm in the Philippines on a you know nice island. I'm watching Netflix off my iPad, but I couldn't watch the football. It wouldn't let me. <laughs> so on the grand final day, I'm sitting up there, watch the football. Uh, no, it didn't happen. Ne- so, oh, well, never mind. No, so I had to talk to my wife. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, thanks, Janine. Um, but really, was it? We just, you know, it was a nice break for 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 us because we hadn't had a break for such a long time, and obviously. You know, without you being around, there's a lot more work to do. So, but it's nice having you back. So. Now, um, so Dale, mm. and can I help you? We need to put your questions into the chat box. Also, remember you to need to help me. No, you yeah, don't need I to do. help you me. Need you need to help, help, help them. No, no. <laughs> Dale needs more help than you guys, I think, at the moment. Don't Sometimes you? Don't I do. You? 
We need you to put your questions into the chat box. Also, remember to give us a detailed question, right? Not just uh, what do you think of this stock? Um, we want to know what your thoughts are and why you're looking at it. Do you own it or not? Along with anything else that you can think of. If you do, um, then we'll do our bit for you. This increases your chances of receiving a response on the night. Yeah, I don't, I don't know on, about you, but I, I actually don't like that. When they just go, can you talk about ABC? It's like, well, tell me a bit more. Okay. Um, we could just say, okay, we don't, we, we don't like it and then move on. Yeah, we say, we oh, oh, it's a stock. That's me. That's my answer from now on. If somebody <laughs> says, what do you think of ABC? I'll go, it's a stock. Actually, I can remember mm. you saying to someone once, oh, it's a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I even spell it. All right, moving on. It's the first Tuesday in the month, and that means we're going to have a good look at the All Ordinaries Index. Can we please bring up Optima? Now, looking at the chart there, you should have on your screen shortly. Um, interesting week, eh, Dale? Look, with the RBA making that decision to um, cut the cash rate by a further 25 basis points or quarter of a percent. Oh, yeah, it was telegraphed, wasn't it, for uh, the last couple of months? Yeah, I think it... the market already factored it in. Mm, yeah, I know, because we hadn't had a rate rise for a couple of, a rate fall for a couple of months, but it's been telegraphed for so long. Mm. But, um, I mean, I guess we, we could have factored that in a little bit more into our mm. thoughts, but, you know, we know that when the, the RBA makes a, has a cut, that generally the market is resilient. Yeah. Um, and that's what's happened, but it, it means that often it will fall afterwards, doesn't it? Well, it does. It means that the Aussie dollar is probably likely to fall away a little bit mm. more, um, which helps some companies. It's detrimental to other companies. Did you watch my report, did you, on the Aussie dollar? No, I didn't. When was that? Was that yesterday? <laughs> this week. <laughs> oh, was this week? See, I don't even know. <laughs> I didn't even read that. So. How's that? Um, I must know some stuff. You do. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, 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 it gives a bit of a short-term boost, but it really... If people look for value in the big end of town, drive the market, don't they? Mm. Really, and they're looking for where the value is now. And our market must be pretty good at the moment, given that it's holding up so well. Mm. I mean, we've mm. been up for a number of, of weeks already, mm. uh, the last month or so, and now we're just seeing a sideways market. Yeah, it's just holding there, but you know, I mean, where is it going to go from here? Because it's, I would have expected it to start to fall away. You know, it's fallen Ideally, away. Ideally, we want bit. it to. Well, it needs mm. to, because otherwise that gives us much more certainty about the future. Because the more it doesn't fall away, the more the chances increases that it will fall away. Now, if you're holding lots of stocks mm. in your portfolio, you probably don't want it to fall away if you don't have a set of rules to manage it. But eventually, the market will fall away, so you need to be prepared. We're going to move on now. It's time to get into some of the emails that we've received in the past week. Um, are you ready to do that or are you wanting to talk about the chat? I thought you were going to talk about the market a little bit more. Look, I don't think there's a lot much really to talk about it. I mean, in reality, uh, what can I say? Well, what do you think it's going to do? Every week we talk about the market and it moves up a little bit or down a little bit. Um, and I just think that looking at it in the short term, it may go up a little bit. We've got another chart here for you. Um, there's a potential for the market to move up between 7,100 to 7,200 points. Um, but look, if it does start to pull back below uh, this bar, 27th of September, that's the low of 6,776 points, then we're going to see this um, pullback that we've been um, forecasting for a while. Mm. Um, look, I was saying um, earlier in the week that if the market did pull back closer to, say, 6,600 or thereabouts, mm -hmm. we could still see the market move up from there and push on. It doesn't necessarily, it's not a foregone conclusion that the market's just going to slip away no. like that. No, it's not, and that's the thing. But the more it goes that's up, that's a more conservative view, isn't it? Well, it is. Yeah. It is a much more conservative view. But if it keeps going, let's say it goes up for the next two, three months, right through to Christmas, then what are we going to see on the other side of Christmas? Mm. That's what worries me. 
Yeah, well, January can be a pretty mm. volatile time. They say October mm. is the big volatile month, but we know that history shows January tends to be more volatile, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, it's one of those, another one of those marker myths. Now, I just want to, there's somebody on the chat, um, Ricky, saying who shorted the AUD USD today. Well, that's nobody. It was when the AUD drops, uh, sorry, when the interest rate drops in Australia, um, what happens is obviously it makes the Australian dollar less attractive. Mm. to other people so they'd be selling uh, the institutions would be selling the Australian dollar which would push it down against the US dollar so it's pretty normal to see that sort of stuff happen and you know, if our interest rates go up then the inverse happens and same with the US dollar when they uh, when the um, Fed Reserve dropped the interest rates in the US the same thing happens our market will our Aussie dollar will drop uh, sort of rise a little bit against the US dollar for the other for the same reasons it's about when they're, it, it's all linked to the in, the federal interest rates of country, countries, the, uh, and so when you're seeing different countries uh, uh, raise or lower interest rates, it does affect the underlying currency because the big end of town, the currency market is the biggest market in the world. It's not the stock mm. market; the currency market is the biggest market in the world, and that's why so many we see so many um, what I what do I say would-be traders try and trade the currency market because all of these would-be educators out there saying trade the biggest market in the world, it's trillions of dollars, but that means the best people trade it. Mm. And we're talking about the best people in the world, the people with multiple degrees whose whole and sole job is to take your money. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know too many people that are better than them. And I find people with un who are uneducated trying to trade FX trying to trade against highly trained or professionals. Or a day workshop. But done a one or two day workshop and it's like, mm. well, uh, you know, if you don't think you're a better trader than Janine and I, don't try and trade against us. It could take you 10 years to try oh. and be better than them. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's one of those things. But it is an interesting question. What happened to the Aussie dollar today? And if you'd asked me yesterday, I would have said to you, if the, Aussie, if the interest rates drop, then the Aussie dollar will drop. Simple. It's just cause and effect. So let's get into the emails right now. What yeah, do you reckon? So let's, let's get into um, the emails now. We saved a couple in the last week or so um, since I'm away, but uh, the first one you can have. Oh, thank you. You're a gentleman. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. <laughs> first one is from Simon. Simon says, I've been hanging out Simon to say says. <laughs> Simon oh. says, hello, Janine, and g'day, Simon. I enjoyed last week's show. Oh, thank you very much. Did, did you hear that? I actually watched it live, but I didn't make any comments because I didn't <laughs> want to put you off. <laughs> what would you have said anyway? I was going to say, you're doing a really great job, Janine. I'm staying on the holidays indefinitely. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Oh, look, last week's show. Um, okay, so we enjoyed last week's show, and he's a new viewer. Okay, Simon, I'd appreciate your views on two gold stocks, SAR and SLR, as a buy, if that's okay. Um, you don't own either of those. And thanks and regards, Simon. Okay, let's have a good look. I've got some um some The first thing we do is Janine and I will never tell you what to buy and what to sell and when to buy and when to sell. So that's nothing we're going to do because that gets into financial advice. So, But we'll have a look at the stocks for you. Okay, Sasa and Mineral Holdings, SAR is the code. Now you can see I've got the monthly and the weekly chart if we look at the screen there. I've got... Um, a really interesting point here. I think we've talked. I've talked about this stock in a previous recording, actually. But if you look at that bar of August two thousand and nineteen, we've got a huge reversal. Now, the interesting thing is that okay, the gold price is rising. SAR is actually reversing, and and this often happens at tops where you see these types of moves. Uh, look at what happened previous to that. A nice big reversal in February two thousand and nineteen, and then it was down for a few months. So, it could move higher. It'd need to get strongly above the high of 393 for me to be impressed by it. But still, it's going to be a challenge for this stock to break to a new high. So let's have a look at what the weekly chart shows. 
Right now it's poised, moving sideways over the past few weeks. In the short term, for a short term opportunity, it may um, break above 371. But there is a lot of resistance around that $4 mark, so it may hit its head there and find it um, quite a challenge to continue higher. 420 it could get to, 4420 um, at best in the short term before it um, pulls back again. But I mean, for that sort of move, I'd rather see it move up somewhere into this range and then just go sideways for a while. And that's what mm. I'd be expecting for SAR. Um, SLR, Silver Lake Resources, a really nice one. Long term, looks good, looks bullish, but in the short term, it it's bearish. had a really strong mm. pullback. It looks bearish, um, like Dale's saying, but it looks like the brakes are on. It's starting to slow down a bit. Last week was a nice reversal. Well, we might see an exhaustion of that move down when it comes back somewhere between 80 and 90 cents, and that's what you'd be wanting to see, a move back above um, the high of this bar, which is $1.07, before it starts moving back up again. But it could come down for another month, potentially. Have you been doing any um, correlation between gold and the Aussie dollar? Uh, look, I can easily overlay one here if you want to have a look at it. No, no, I'm just asking if you've done it before because I know we a long all, time I do ago. it all the time with the Aussie-US dollar. I look, We look at BHP and Rio and, mm. and iron ore, but I don't often do gold in that respect. Look, um, we've, we do it for the traders forum, mm. but I'm not so interested in it myself. Some of mm. the traders that are on there, they're interested they're in it. They're interested in it, yeah. Um, me personally, I'm more focused on the stocks and the market. Maybe I'll do it tomorrow night on the Maybe. traders forum because I'm doing it tomorrow night. So if you're one of our advanced traders and you get on the forum tomorrow night, we're going to do that. So okay. remind me. All Sorry right. So looking at Silver Lake Resources. Now, it, the interesting thing about this stock is that the there was a lot of resistance for it across here at around $1.60. And that's where it recently hit its head. So it's, it is actually unfolding in a, in a rhythm that... Um, can be, you know, it can be read. So we can actually predict what this stock is likely to do. That's what it tells you. As the stock continues to unfold, you start to work out whether it is predictable or not. Mm. So I think, look, with SLR, you know, I like the stock long term, um, but right now I wouldn't be trying to take a position in the share given the downside Question. risk. Question. Yeah. Knowing timing the market, and we talk about price pattern and time, mm. and these these stocks are very cyclical. All these sorts of mining stocks are quite cyclical. Yeah. This has been going up for four years. Mm -hmm. So long term, you mean in 10 years? Or you might Look, mean I mean, th these years? sorts of stocks can go up for much longer than that mm. uh, when they get going. So, I mean, okay, we did see a really strong pullback into this low in 2017. Mm. We now could see a continuation of the current run. Um, because it's only, I think, part way through it. Okay. Mm. I'm just qualifying because these people need to know. So. Well, look, but I wouldn't be looking to buy. <laughs> I just have to qualify that one. Okay. So, Simon, we're not buying. Simon That's, says. We're not buying. Yep. Okay. okay. So, the next question we got from Ash, who says, Hi, Dale. i um, been watching your shows for the last few weeks and also read your book. Thanks, matey. Um, thanks for buying my book. I've been researching on Appen. Uh, for a while and the current prices look attractive based on long-term growth and fundamentals however according to the rules or your trading rules in your book this doesn't seem like the right price to enter at the moment as it is triggered to sell on the trendline basis on a weekly chart um, can you explain if i'm correcting my analysis ash um, mm. yeah we can have a look at happen for and often you'll find that the fundamentals um, are different than the technicals the technicals actually tell you exactly what's going on because they're just referring to the weight of buying and selling and it's it's it really is like a set of scales you know if there's more buyers the price will go up if there's more sellers the price will go down and so what we're doing with technicals is measuring that weight of buying and selling to determine the direction fundamentals will tell you what it should be worth 
but I'll never tell you when to buy, when to sell. So, um, and I probably was a show. How many? Well, you probably weren't on it. Um, you're probably away that? enjoying yourself. Um, but there was a show I said the more there's like a pendulum between fundamentals and technicals. Mm. The longer your outlook, the more the fundamentals are important, and the shorter your outlook for holding the stock, the more the technicals. Like depends if we were holding it, depends stock, which fundamentals you're looking at. Of course. Yeah, could, mm. from the fundamentals. But if you're looking for hold the stock for three days to three weeks, you'd be almost mm. not paying any attention to fundamentals. Yeah. But if you're looking for three years to six years, you'd be looking at almost all fundamentals mm. and a little bit of technicals. Yeah. So that's the difference we're talking about. So do you want to? You've got APX up. That's for you. So right now it looks bearish, doesn't it? Which is what he was it saying. It definitely so, does. Um, so I'm not sure what he's saying. It's 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 not trading below a weekly trend line. It hasn't broken below a trend line either on the weekly. It doesn't even have a trend line on the weekly chart. So at this point in time, but it does look bearish. But it is holding up some support around that $21 at the moment. And we would have expected it to drop probably to around about that $19-ish, I would suggest. Um, so it really hasn't shown us yet that it's mm. holding. So right now, because it's been bearish. Except for the fact that mm. the closes are all around the same price. Yeah. I mean, that, that is one good mm. sign that the stock is showing. Mm. And that's what I, yeah, to me, it's like looking, we've had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, we're in week nine at the moment. So if it starts falling away again, then you're probably going to look at going below that $19 mark and a little bit further. But again, you're not in it, which is what you really said. Mm. And if you're not in it, then you're not losing money. You just sit back and wait because eventually if the fundamentals are good, eventually it's going to find some support and start to turn up. And if you use the rules in my book, you better pick it up at just a Just interested a to price. see what the volume is on this one. So looking yeah. at it, um, yeah. you're talking about, it's it's not huge, mm. um, but it's it's a reasonable volume, but it's not huge. For an individual trading it, they'd be fine. Mm. Um, but, you know, you or, you or I wanting to trade this through the, the for the clients, we wouldn't be able to do it. Do mm. it. We wouldn't want to do it. No, we wouldn't want to do it. And the thing is, it's about, like, mm. what we always say with technicals, it's when to buy and when to sell. Fundamentals tell us what to buy. Mm-hmm. And so it's about, it's about getting your timing correct. And I know people often say, you know, what do you think of this stock? How long do you think it's going to run for? And the answer is, I don't care as long as it's going in the direction I want. Because mm. we position trade. And what we mean by position trade is you buy low, you sell high. And however long that takes is however long that takes. And all too often you find traders jump in and out of the, of the mm. stock. And the perfect example was that one of the people on the... Uh, video that you played last week I think it was Pedro I think it was that I interviewed or was chatting and he was like two weeks into our course at that stage and he was trading what was it uh, what was the a stock not happened it wasn't happened it was um there was he was trading two stocks and um Altium and another stock and then he jumped into Bitcoin because he thought this was running yeah. faster and that's so common. People go, oh, this market's moving, so I'll jump out of this one and go to that one. Mm. And then the one they jumped out of is the one that's moving because people get in far too late. And we're going to talk a bit about that later on in our main topic. So that's my open loop to come back to our major topic shortly. Um, but let's get into, um, these are all great questions, but let's actually go and have a look at the chat yes. um, and see what we can answer there. I'll put we've my got a tra- lot of questions we've got, tonight. We've got a couple How are we of stocks. going to get all of these done? We will because we're professional about okay. this so we can go. So you can put in a couple of stocks I've given you. Now there's a couple of other right. questions we've got. Um, we're going to do oh, Suncorp and CBA. Uh, they're the two we're going to do. Um, oh, we've got two. Um, what have we got here? Have we got any more? I can just load them all yeah, up. Um, we've got a comment from Bython. He says, Dale and Janine, I mainly stick to trading stocks in the ASX 200. How much attention should I pay Good to volumes 
on stocks in this market before I buy them? And uh, the answer is volume is really, really, really critical to Janine and I in terms of, but it's not just volume, it's about liquidity is not volume. And it was not volume alone. Volume is telling you how many shares are transacted in a day, but it doesn't actually tell you liquidity. So we teach our students about liquidity and how to measure that properly because... But as individuals, mm, I mean, it's not critical, mm, like you say, for them as an individual. No, no as long as you're buying... Because you can you can trade smaller mm. shares towards the end of the bottom of the 200 yeah. quite easily, mm. um, as long as there's enough... Like some, some stocks are actually tightly held as well, so ah. the liquidity might not be what you think it is. Like Sol Patterson is a lot more tightly yeah. held because it's more held by the company there, the, sorry, the family who owns the big chunk of that. So you get some of those stocks. But I mean, obviously anything in the top 100 is pretty good for individuals. When you get outside of the 100, it slowly gets thinner and thinner and thinner with your, with your volumes. But a lot of individuals, unless you're trading, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollar position sizing, it's not yeah, a huge issue. Yeah, 200 is still fine. Yeah, mm. so you're still fine in the top 200. You're going to get more Liquidity volatility. Liquidity changed a lot from the, mm. following the GFC. So oh, it did. But you're going to get, you got to watch, anything outside the top 100, you're going to get a lot more a volatility from market movement because mm. anything in the 100 is much more heavily supported by institutions. Yeah. So anything outside the 100, so when a stock clicks over being 101 through into the 100, all of a sudden that clicks into a new index, the top 100, and then all of a sudden the big institutions will put more money into those stocks. So sometimes it can be really good to mm. watch stocks that are mm. around those levels because mm. they can see a benefit to being pushed into the, 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 the index and the yeah, one, 100 from the 200. So that's a really also good question. Also a dollar stock too, if you're looking at stocks and they're around the dollar mark, yeah. once they jump over that dollar figure, you know, the institutions start to look at those as well. Yeah, and that's why we don't generally trade stocks under a dollar. But um, the first question of stock we've got is from Todd. He's asking about Suncorp Metways. Uh, okay, so Suncorp, that's all I've got insurance. for now. Suncorp Insurance. So you can bring up Suncorp and then we'll talk about CBA for Mike. All right, now Suncorp um, has really been the poor cousin of the financial industry, hasn't it? I mean, look it at has. it. It's a bit like NAB, really, isn't mm. it? Um, it? It really hasn't moved on. You could say even West Farmers for a while there, you know, traded sideways, but this has been much more volatile. I do like Suncorp, you know, for the longer term, um, but only when it um, it's met certain rules, and there are some really good rules for Suncorp to be able to trade at um, short, medium, and long term. If you do your back testing and you really study this um, using the rules that we teach, so Suncorp um, on the monthly chart around thirteen, fourteen dollar mark, we could see it move up closer to that uh, fifteen dollar mark over the coming months, and it looks quite good um, right this week. A nice strong move so far. We're seeing it trading around 13.65. Still resistance around this level, though. Look, look at it all the way across there. Mm. Um, yeah. So look. Todd's asking about today. He said, "I was just wondering, have Sun on my watch list oh, yesterday? Okay, so Went up we my go. trading platform today. It's a dollar zero. What's going on with the stock? So it's probably had an announcement. Yeah. And look, so it was suspended from quoting for a bit. Yeah. Well, look, it has gapped up on that news. Whatever the news was, which mm. I haven't followed SunCorp for a while, simply because of this yeah. sideways action. So until it breaks out of that, not interested really um, in Suncorp. And if there has been some news that um, has benefited the stock, it could be a little bit like QBE. Uh, when go. QBE um, experiences some you know, um, media attention and then it gets a um, bit of media play, the share price rockets up and then yeah. it reverses and pulls back down again. Yeah, somebody so, says it's um, ABC Family says Suncorp selling $420 million smash repair business to AMA Group. So Yeah. Uh, but... Generally, when never react on news. If no. you if you hear that there's been something that's occurred, the, the company sold part of the 
the business off mm. and the market see that as a good thing. Don't try to follow the market on the news. Um, that's one of the worst things you can do. Just stick yeah. with whatever your plan is. And if this stock meets your watch criteria and it's on your watch list, then fine. But don't try to sort of all of a mm. sudden you hear about Suncorp and then you're f- moving your focus away from the, the stocks that you should be um, closely watching to, to one that you haven't really studied yet. Uh, I find that, that some of the students will do that. And I, I remember looking at a student's portfolio once and he was looking at, you know, I think it was about 80 stocks. And I said to him, how are you going to keep up with all of those stocks? You can't possibly do that justice, especially if you're working full time. So yeah. that, that I don't think he really understood that. It's fine to scan yeah. the 100 or the 200 and then look for stocks for your watch list, but not to be, you know, every week looking at 80 stocks and trying to keep up to date with them. Well, it's interesting when I talk to people, you know, they go, well, what do you do during the day? And, you know, how often do you watch your stocks? And they mm. go, oh, I've got it on during the day while I'm working. I check my phone That's just crazy. five and six times a day and I'm checking them every day. And it's like, it is. It's just stupidity in my book because it just makes you more emotional about things. But I think you're being a bit down. tough because they don't know what they don't know. No, but it's in my book, it's stupidity. That's what I said. Yeah, but coming from your perspective. Yeah, because yeah. it's like mm. the whole idea of that is if you've got plan and a process and a strategy, then you don't need to look at your stocks every day. Once a week's fine. And people don't understand that. And mm. the focus, what they want you to do is use their apps and get all the alerts happening because it makes you trade more. And when you trade more, they make far more money than you. Makes sense. And it makes sense for them to keep mm. sending you things to say, hey, look at this stock. Hey, look at that stock. Here's the price of that. Setting the alerts and having your phone binging all the time. And, and it's like you're there to work. Your boss is paying you to work and not to sit there and watch the market all day long. And the more you watch it trading, the more emotional you get and the more you get sucked into the black hole of the market. We don't watch the market all day long. No, we, we Jane don't and need I, to. When did we get rid of live data? Mm, oh, 10 years ago? Something like that. Mm. We were just we just, just get live data all the time on our screens and with all these green and things moving all over the place. And we just found it so distracting and it was affecting our decisions with all our knowledge. So we just got rid of live data. And we seriously do not use live data at all, ever. And a lot of mm. broker reports. And the broker reports, yeah. They just go unread <laughs> and go into the junk pile all the time because when somebody else is giving you their opinion, it's, it's giving you their bias. Especially if it's free. Especially if it's free. It's Why are they telling the, you this? That's what you've got to be asking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I said last week or the week before, you know, brokers are aptly named um, from <laughs> that That's point. That's a bit rough. Here. It is a bit rough <laughs> anyway. So, and you want to go to CBA for Mike. All right. Uh, Mike's one of our students, he says there. He's enjoying our course. Mike's CBA, always what a great to... stock. There was an know, article about CBA stock. this week um, that I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, we can talk about that on another yeah, evening, but it's about, about mm-hmm. the banks and how... Um, you know, CBA is one that we suggest that people have on their watch list anyway. It's one of the best stocks in the market. And um, Macquarie mm-hmm. um, is another big bank. Um, but, but we don't suggest that you hold... There's a lot of in the industry who say that you should hold all mm-hmm. all of the bank stocks, which we totally are against, because there could be times when it makes sense to hold one or two of them, but it doesn't make sense to hold all of them at the one time. So looking at Commonwealth Bank, you can see that... Um, since March 2015, like the rest of the banks, it, it did fall into a decline. Uh, so, so you can see that there are nice times to be in the stock, even long term. You can get some really great rules on a long term chart to trade this stock and get some nice profits out of it. Really simple strategies. And again, this is happening now. So you, so looking at Commonwealth Bank, there's some real resistance around about this $83.50 mark, which is where it stopped recently. 
And I think uh, the recent pullback is just a test to prove whether it's going to continue to rise or not. Now, of course, if Commonwealth Bank starts moving up and the other banks start moving up, then, of course, the, the market's going to move up because the financial sector is, is a significant um, percentage of the overall markets, 30-odd percent of, um, by weighting of the overall Australian market. So if, if these banks go up and they're in the top 20, um, BHP starts moving back up, then we could see the market actually rise, which is what we did talk about um, on the All Lords. Yeah, I remember months and months ago, like probably early this year, mm-hmm. we were talking about for the market to be really bullish, both the materials and the banks need mm. to move together. If they're mo- both moving opposing each other, you're not going to get the market being very, very And we have seen that, which has been fascinating Mm. to watch over time. So you can actually overlay the two Mm. indices and see how they move together or apart. A lot of people don't understand that when you're looking at the top 20 stocks on the market, we're talking about 11 of them are financials for memory. Mm. Um, And then you've got your BHPs, your Rios. Um, we've actually got got a growth mandate and a top Mm. 20 mandate. Mm. And what do you think is the most popular? Um, (laughs) Most people go for the growth. And a lot of people were saying, oh, look, I'm not sure I want to put money into the top 20 because um, of all the banks being in there and they were just going sideways. So, I mean, it's your call where you put your money. You've got the choice to put it into growth or put it into top 20. Mm. But it's interesting, isn't it? How if the, the market's moving up, that's what's moving it. It's not yeah. the rest of the market. It's the big mm. 20 that are moving the market because the big 20 are, is it 60% of the market? Um, look, I'm not sure what the materials is at the moment, but I know that the financials yeah. is around 30-odd. Yeah, but with all of the 20, it's, a, it's Well, with, it's the, with the REITs, I, I think that the financials is around 40. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so, you know, you put the materials onto that, and, you know, that's a, it's the main part of the market. You're well, right. I know the top You've 50 is, is about sectors. 80% of the market or yeah. something like that, so the top 50. But that's what you're looking at. If the market's going up, it's the top 20 driving it, mm. mainly because anything outside the top 100, it, the percentage of weighting it has on the on the index is low. Mm. Um, and then outside the 200, it's even worse. So You just have to have a look at the, the indices yeah. and overlay them, and you can yeah. see they pretty much move together most of the time. Well, that's one thing you can do when we get to the indices, which next, is next week the indices in the market? Uh, I can't recall. Sectors and indices, so maybe we can you do that next week. You've got the list, and I can't remember. That? So you've got to mm. come back next week to see Janine do that. That's my, that's my um, promise to you. But, um, but uh, let's go and look at AMA for okay. ABC Family. So let's go and have a quick look at that and we'll have a look and then we'll get into the main topic for tonight. So oh, look at that. Now, this is a really interesting pattern. Mm. It looked like it was going to roll over and, and trade. It's trading sideways for how long is that since uh, October 2015? It's about four years. So you made nothing really in that time except for a few dividends if you, if you actually managed to hold it during that volatile time. But let's just have a look at the volatility during that, that um, period. You know, up and down, 33% range. You know, you, you wouldn't be hanging on for that. So looking at, at it now, it has broken out of that move and, and now is pulling back again. So it's really not trading at any different price. It's trading at uh, $1.21, which is what it was trading at back in January 2018. So this is why it's really important to understand these stocks. Look how illiquid it was at the start here of the chart. You've got a bit of history, which means it can be back tested we could do some good analysis it looks on this like stock. On, based on that it's got a history of moving sideways for a couple of years at a time doesn't it it really? does yeah because it did the same thing in 2011 mm. all the way through to 2012 and then this this period here 13 all the way into the low in 14 so uh, it's, you're right it's quite typical for to see that happen we look at the right hand side of the chart and we're seeing now that the stock's actually coming back just to test that sideways action that's occurred mm. there 
So we could see it drop further, maybe about a dollar ten. But remember, the dollar mark is really important for the stock. It needs to stay above that, otherwise there could be a, a big, much bigger sell-off on it. Something to watch there for AMA. It is, it is. It's one, but right now you'd think it's going to go down a little bit more. I'd say that. Yeah. Look, if it closes up strongly towards the top of the bar at the end mm. of the week, then I'd change my my tune on that. But yeah. it's important to have two sides that you're looking at. So, if the stock does X, then we're thinking, mm. you know, that it's likely to go up. If it does Y, then it's it's going to keep continue to fall away. It's yeah, that remember, simple. and that's only two days of data: Monday, Tuesday, and that. Oh, that that's true. Time. So yeah. So we do Thursday. Have... You need to wait for at least Thursday to see where it's going to go yeah. for the end of the week yeah so if you if you don't own it don't get it and if you do own it make sure you got a stop loss yeah. as we always say <laughs> that's very wise but uh, but right now we're our topic for tonight that's where we're up to right now oh, so this is a good one. it is a, i've been wanting to do this one for quite a while but we need to really set it up with all mm. the other ones that we did in terms of portfolio construction and diversification and risk and money management and all range of things so we needed yeah. to get to this point for everybody because it's sometimes people say to me oh can you teach me this and i go i can but i've got to teach you 10 other things before we get to that because as janine said earlier you don't know what you don't know and often just giving you an intellectual um, understanding of something is nowhere near good enough Um, and i was saying that to somebody yesterday it's like you know i can say intellectually i understand how to lay bricks you know uh, yeah the guy picks up a brick he puts a bit of cement down you shove the brick on top of it you just bang it with your trowel wipe a bit off and then you slap another one and you keep doing it but you wouldn't want me to build a fence for you or a house one you would take ages i would take ages and it would be a pretty crappy house that it wouldn't be straight and know? two and this might sound sexist but i don't know how your legs would look in the shorts that the bricklayers wear <laughs> it's serious yeah but it is but not to say that but in, yeah, no i don't know to say that but intellectually i, I know i know what they do mm. and it's the same thing i intellectually know what a hairdresser does but would you let me cut your hair or, hell no hell no you wouldn't let me do it would you, you know so the thing is there's a lot of people did you have a bowl haircut when you were young no never no no I'm, i used to get a haircut just before the start of school every year and that was it that was once a year and and so it'd grow all year long and so summer I had long blonde hair all yeah summer. i've seen photos of you yeah that was so cousin it, cousin wasn't it? it yeah i'd be surfing down the beach i was a lifesaver <laughs> down the beach surfing all the time so and then i'd get my hair cut at the end of summer back to school and that was it mm. save my mum heaps right yeah save my mum heaps and the girls like long blonde hair so that was pretty good <laughs> <laughs> Didn't okay. hurt my chances. <laughs> I started this. I know you started this, but let's get on to the topic. What I was actually saying yes. was that most people only have an intellectual understanding of a concept rather than a lot of knowledge about it. And so mm. just because you think you've heard the word trend line doesn't mean you know how to draw a trend line. True. And most people, when I say to them, do you know how to draw a trend line? They go, yeah. And I go, how many rules have you got? But most people look at it and they think it's just a line. I can it's draw it. It's just a line. I can draw that. I can tell you that a lot of the students will tell you that's BS. You can't just draw it if you don't know what the rules are and you yeah. haven't actually practiced it and had someone who knows more than you actually check it. Mm. Oh, yeah. and um, like, It you, takes hours of work. It took me a long time to get trend lines. Geez, I get, because because I talk trend lines in my book, I get people who read my books and <laughs> charts in with them drawing trend lines on them, and most of them are SHIT. It's like, no, no, no go back to... No, yep. no, 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 no. We've got five rules, six, no, six rules. And if of, you can't get it right, then, of course, your back testing is totally flawed because yeah. it's a scientific experiment that you apply something, and if... If you can apply it and then get a certain mm. result, and then I can take the trend lines and apply it and get the same result, then you know that you've got it correct. But you know you don't know what you don't know or what you're missing until someone who's got more knowledge than you looks at it for you. Mm. 
Yeah, I was talking with one of our students a couple of weeks ago and I was saying to them, we're talking about it, he goes, oh, I'm practicing. I said, well, that's great, but practice doesn't make perfect. Mm. Perfect practice makes perfect. Okay. So how do you know you're practicing perfectly unless you get somebody like Janine and I to check you practicing perfectly? Mm. Because you could be practicing the wrong way and all you're doing is getting the wrong method over and over and over and over and over again. True. You're not getting the best method of it and that's why I find it, it's constant that we see people where they go, yeah, I learned how, I know how to do this, I know how to do that. And I go, great, send me a chart and we find out they're not, they're not even doing it correctly. Mm. And so that's why it's about having those people, people checking. That's why our course is so successful for people because you've got real traders who are really qualified checking everything you do and making sure you not only understand it, but you can do it and you can do it over and over and over again properly. Because as Janine said a little bit earlier, is if, you, if you're applying it incorrectly, then it doesn't matter how many testing you do, you're still going to get it wrong and your test results are going to be inconclusive. And or, you'll be relying on back-tested statistics that are actually mm. flawed. Mm. So when you go to take a trade, you think you've got an 80% probability of getting it right, but in actual fact, it might only be 60% Correct. Um, of the time that you actually get a winning trade. Mm. Imagine, imagine um, you know, jumping in a Ferrari and you haven't tested the brake work. Oh. That'd be good fun anyway. But let's okay. get to the topic anyway. Okay. It's about diversify or de-worsify. And that's a, a de-worsify is a, a, um, a, a technical term. term? It's, it's a technical term I came up with in my first book. And a lot of people thought, wow, what is Dale talking about, de-worsification? Because a lot of people over-diversify or, or practice diversification in the wrong way. And that's really what we're saying about is there's so many terms out there in the marketplace that we see, whether it's on the media or whether mm. it's reading books or on YouTube or whatever else. And people see that and they believe that's true, but then when they try and test it, they don't understand it and they're not applying it correctly. So, and you know, when people look at investing in international stocks and international markets, they do so because they think they're diversifying and they're going to get better opportunities. Now, it's a well-known fact that many in the financial services industry suggest you should diversify within asset classes in order to reduce your risk of your investment portfolio and increase your returns. Now, some would also argue that investing in international markets can lower risk without sacrificing returns. And I think that's a whole lot of BS. However, it's important to understand that this is a gimmick and it will cost you dearly over the long term. Now, in Australia, the industry's catch cry for suggesting that you diversify into international equities rests on the fact that the Australian market represents less than 2% of global markets. Well, who cares if it's only 2%? According to the experts, this means most investment opportunities are available offshore. Similar catch cries exist in other markets. So, for example, in the US, many major institutions claim international stocks have outperformed US stocks over the long term. So to substantiate the claim, they present selected timeframes in an attempt to convince investors. But this raises the question, if you can't make money in your own backyard, why would you consider investing in international equities? There's one to ponder for you. Well, it, it, it is, but you get the same noise from mm. the US in the US to their people as the Australian institutions push out to us. We're told to invest in the US because we've got more opportunity, but in the US they're told to invest somewhere else. So mm. it's one of those, those things. And unless you understand the US market or live there, you don't know this is happening on. Now, you only have to watch a child in a lolly shop to know that more choice leads to total confusion and panic and overwhelm and neither is a good state to be in when you're trading the stock market. In my book, uh, what we're really talking about is de-worsification. Uh, and it really is. It's like if I said to you, pick red or black, you're going to be able to pick that very, very quickly. 
But if I gave you 26 colors, I said, pick a color, you'd be sitting there for five or 10 minutes going, oh, I like that, I like that, maybe. And then it's always about FOMO, the fear of missing out. What if I pick this and that one's better? And that's what people get when they've got more choice. Um, and that's because you not only have to be content with market risk. Now, when you're investing overseas, you don't only have to tend with the market risk, which is systemic in our market. So as soon as you get into the market, you get market risk, or it's what they call a systemic risk. Um, and so when you move into another market, you're still getting market risk in another country. Now, that requires more time and knowledge and skill for you to do so, but it also exposes you to fluctuations in exchange rates, which have the potential to worsen your returns. Now, particularly if the dollar is appreciating against the other currency. So if the Aussie dollar is going up against the US one and you're buying US stocks, then whatever you're making on those US stocks will be diminished. Now, given this, why would anyone consider diversifying their portfolio to take on more market risk, mm. let alone additional costs associated with investing in international equities? So in mm. investing overseas, you actually take on a lot more risk. You're not lessening your risk. And that's really what we're trying to say here. Now, the industry further substantiates its support for diversifying in international equities by suggesting that this asset class outperforms other asset classes over the longer term. However, the majority of institutions also diversify their portfolio into cash and bonds, which underperform equities and property by a considerable margin over the longer term. In fact, cash and bonds pull down the overall performance of a fund. Given this, it would seem that while diversification was devised as a way to minimise risk, many in the financial services industry also use it as a way to reduce profits. Now let's actually have a look at the, the image on the screen. Research conducted by Fidelity International on 30 years of investment returns further substantiates our argument that global diversification is detrimental to your portfolio. The table on the screen shows the growth of $10,000 over the past 30 years to December 2016 for Australian and global shares. The returns represent the average annual return and assume all dividends have been reinvested and this trend has continued. Now, as you can see on the chart on the screen, or the new chart on your screen right now, according to Fidelity International, Australian shares have continued to outperform global shares by a significant margin. Now, I can hear some of you saying, what about the massive bull run on the US market since the GFC? Wouldn't we have been better off diversifying into this market? Well, unfortunately, this view is contradicted by research by Cufflinks, which compared the total return with all dividends reinvested from investing in the Australian stock market versus the US stock market after taking into account inflation. Now, this is a trick. It's about what's the real mm. value of the growth, not just what the actual index did. Now, before, uh, but, but it was also, as I said, took into account inflation, but before taxation and broking costs. Um, and from 1900 to the end of 2017. Well, that's a substantial data that's set to be huge data it set. Across. It's well over 100 years here. Mm. Now, interestingly, uh, looking at this new image, the article demonstrates that the total return for Australian investors has been virtually the same as for American investors or in local markets, taking into account a currency and, and inflation, as we mentioned before. Now, the return on investment from both markets average around 6.6% in real terms over 117 years. Now, although the total returns were the same, you can actually notice there were large differences for long periods of time as Australia and the US took turns at having bigger booms and subsequent bigger busts, as you can see on the screen right now. 
But as we've previously stated, why would anyone want to contend with the higher risk, let alone higher costs, of investing in another country when the benefits of operating a concentrated portfolio in their own country are so much greater? So what Dale and I are suggesting is for you to not be fooled by the cliches or mismarketed by institutions. And remember, often those prompting them are focused on lining their own pockets, not yours. Now, so often we get emails or calls from people looking at our courses asking if we can teach them to trade the US market, um, amongst other things, you know, like cryptocurrencies or, you know, FX and options, all those. Well, you can trade those. anything with yeah. the course because the course is non-specific. Yeah. It's non-specific to a particular market. Well, that's what I say However, to people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's really like you know they say, can you teach me to trade? We just go. I teach you to trade. You trade mm. whatever you like. Like it's like Janine drives a different car to me. Now she drives it faster, but and more dangerously than I do for understanding reasons. If you understand, Janine, she's a petrol head. <laughs> um, but we drive different vehicles, but we still drive the car and they still do the same role. Like you still got a steering wheel, an accelerator, a brake. You turn it on and you go, and you get from point A to point B. We just get there a different way. Or she gets there faster than I do all the time. You're driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> I'm driving Miss Daisy, yes. I need an old man hat, something like that. But but that's really what the thing is, is we teach people to trade. You trade whatever you like and whatever speed that you like to trade it, whether that's daily, weekly, monthly or longer term. That's really what we'd actually do. Now, you know, when we say to people saying, can you teach me to mm. trade, you know, US markets or this and that, the often we most often get is... Well, you that, ask why first... Well, yeah, I said, why do you want to trade the US market? I said, because mm. I really understand what their motivation is. And they often say, oh, there's more stocks in the US. Um, but now you have some statistical evidence that this pursuit is not going to gain you anything. And when you add on to the fact that what we talked about in our previous shows about portfolio construction and, and the management of the portfolio, and then the argument for diversifying into other markets pretty much gets blown apart. Um, so I ask you, why would you diversify your portfolio if there's little to no benefit for you doing so? Good Cause question. Because you remember, we talk about having eight to 12 stocks. Mm. Now, there's 500 in the All Ordinaries Index. Now, you can't physically manage 500 stocks. You can't physically analyze 500 stocks. And seriously, you don't need to. Why do you need more? Because at any one mm. point, 30% could be going up, down or sideways in the Australian market. Yeah, FOMO takes over. You go, oh, well, this one's moving. I'll jump onto that one. Oh, no, no, this one's moving. I'll jump onto that one. Oh, no, this one's moving. I'll jump onto that one. And this mm. is what happens. If you've got a smaller group of stocks that you, you look at, you're much more likely to get them when they move and you'll be much more confident in managing the trade. So less is better, not more Trading is less better. and having less stocks. Correct. Yeah. And that's really what it's about. And often people, they have this real misguided belief that, you know, I'm going to go to US because Facebook's doing this and, you know, Amazon's doing this and there's new technology. Well, Afterpay has done really, mm. really well. A2 Milk and Ballamies have done really well. And we have stocks doing the same sorts of games. See, I think that part of the reason, and this is conspiracy mm. theory talking here. Well, go for it, girl. It's, it's not just to line the pockets of these other people. It's to pacify you guys. Because mm. if, for instance, say the, the US market is running a bit faster than the Australian market at a particular time, they've got a story to sell mm. you about your portfolio. Okay, those stocks are not doing well, but these ones are doing okay. Or cash and bonds is doing better than stocks at the moment. And so therefore, you know, you'll, you'll sit back and think, oh, they're managing my money well. Mm. Um, but the problem is that it, and they also make it really complex. So you think to yourself, oh, I couldn't possibly manage my own portfolio because I've got all these different asset classes in there. It's quite complex and I don't even understand what I've got my money in. No, they don't. And, and so therefore you're more likely to leave it with them. Yeah, there's a couple of other statistics that I want to talk about. As over the years, I've talked about a book that was released in about 2002. It was called 
Triumph of the Optimist. And it was, re- it was put out by Princeton University Press. And it was written by three gentlemen who are much more highly qualified than I am with lots of degrees behind them. So it's um, a research document. It's, it's a not, research document. It's not a document to teach you to try no, it's, a, it's a pretty heavy read. Um, mm. And they researched markets around the world. Now, the statistics they Has had... Has anyone was, bought it that you've talked to? You, no, no. You haven't ever heard I, anybody I reckon I've mentioned it. that book about... Uh, probably more than 100 times, probably 500 times, and in groups of 500 people, I've never met anybody that's bought it because it is a research book. Yeah. And plus it's about $280. So, And 99.9% of people go, oh, 300 bucks for a book, <laughs> I'm not buying it. Yeah. And yet I've got books that cost me $500. Mm. So it gets down to is it values what you pay. Sorry, the price is what you pay, values what you get. So if you're not prepared to put, some, uh, some, put the price into getting the value, then you're going to get... Um, pretty ordinary returns and you're going to be hit and miss with your trading. But they're actually saying that they there was 111 countries around the world with stock markets. Mm. 111 and some of those have got multiple markets like the Dow, Dow the S&P mm. 500, the NASDAQ, the CBOT. There's multiple ones in the US. And yeah. We've got GX and the ASX. We used to have the, the, the um, futures SFA. exchange as well, SFE as well. But So, so there's we a few big ones then. Yeah, there's a few big ones. Now, here's some interesting statistics for you. Now, people, if I said to you, what's the best performing stock exchange in the world, prior to tonight, everybody would have said the US. Mm. Now, now we know based on all that statistics that we've shown people that that's not correct. Mm-hmm. The Australian market performs better. Now, the top 10 markets in the world, and I'll read it from my little sheet, yep. um, by by volume in terms of amount of trading. This on, was and in volume 2000. Data to 2001, wasn't it? Yeah, it looks like 2001. Now, yep. in terms of market capitalization, the top 10 are USA, Japan, UK, France, Germany, Canada, Canada Italy, Netherlands, Switzerland, and Hong Kong. Top 10. Australia was 11th on no that No wonder list. you couldn't memorize that. I know. The value was about $36 trillion. So now we're talking 17 years later, it's probably over $100 trillion, mm. if, if not even a lot more than that. Now, here's the interesting. Now, mm. USA was 46% of the world's total trading. Mm-hmm. Uh, or capitalization in the market. So it was the big, big, big brother. Now, over 103 years, Australia's averaged 7.4% versus the USA 6.3%, according to this book, Crime the Optimist, um, put out by Princeton University. Now, today, so it was a, so the top five in returns were Australia, number one, Sweden, number two, South Africa, number three. That the surprised US, me. Mm. And the US made number four and Canada made number five. So the biggest mm. market in the world with nearly half of the total trading got number four and Australia got number one and Sweden, another small country, mm. two and South Africa, another small country, number three. The latest research what I was trying to find today, and I did read about it about 12 months ago, was that South Africa is now number one and Australia is mm. number two. Wow. But the US is still not number one. And people say to me, we make more money out of the US. And the research that all of these institutions are saying is, no, you don't. It might have just been that particular point in time where they were lucky right at that moment. Yeah, it's just, as we said, it's like sometimes the US speeds up and slows mm. down and same, same with ours, and sometimes we're going to outperform them. And what we find is people jump too late. Yeah, I was really glad that you explained mm. that in the book, and I think a mm. lot of people have commented on that. You know, you've got the, the full explanation in there, so you've really got to read it. You do, and this is where, you know, they say amateurs buy at the top and sell at the bottom, and this is what we're talking about here is the amateurs see the market's already moved and they jump into it. Mm. You don't want the move that's already happened. You want to be in it before it actually happens, and people already, they jump. They see the U.S. market move 20 or 30% one year, and they jump into it, only for it to not do much the next mm. year, whereas the Australian market's about time to move. So really stay in your own backyard, and as Janine said, if you can't make money in Australia... 
don't even try going overseas because you, you're going to make it worse. So, But we need to get back into some stuff, don't we? Now, I hope you enjoyed that. Now I, I think did. it's time that we got back into the chat and some more stocks for everybody. So let's get into the juicy stuff. You didn't, I thought that was the juicy stuff. But <laughs> we've got Bank of Queensland and Brickworks for Danny. Now I'll find his question. Here's Danny, Danny Lee Davies, I think. He said, hi, Dale and Janine. I've got Bank of Queensland and Brickworks on my watch list. So it looks like he doesn't own it yet. I'll be keen to hear your thoughts. Cheers, Danny. And I'll look it up a couple of other ones. We've got New Farm as well, so whack that one in. I missed one. What was before Brickworks? Um, Bank of Queensland. Okay. Yep. Number three was? Number three was New Farm. So we've got Peter Jury saying, how do oh, New yeah, Farm has shot up over the last few days? And it has. Um, should I hold or sell? I oh, think it went... One. Very, I think it was over 20% we found went up the other day. All right, there we go. We've got the three. Is that all you want? Um, ben Youngman's going um, FPH. He said, uh, do you think there's a buying opportunity for FPH at the moment? FPH. Thinking about increasing my long-term holdings in this company. Okay. Cool. Fantastic. All right, look what we've got, BOQ. Oh, look, this is interesting, isn't it? Now, this stock has really been in the bottom um, of the list for a long time. Often these second-tier banks will lead the big banks out, but this hasn't been the case. We've seen the big banks take off first, and the second-tier banks, um, second-tier banks have been the poor second cousins. Which you, know, you might think that that's the case all the time, but it's actually not. Looking at it more recently, Bank of Queensland still struggling to get back through the ten-dollar mark. Mm. Um, it looks like the market just don't see that it's worth more than that at the moment. Can I interrupt you for a second? Of course. We've got a you comment from Ben, <laughs> yeah. which pretty much highlights what we just talked about a second ago. Okay. He's, he's saying, you ooh, banks, no growth, no thanks. Oh, that's cute. Right? I like it. Yeah. And I, and I do like the statement, but it actually shows exactly what we we're talking mm. about is Buffett says buying doom. Doesn't, he doesn't say buy and boom. Mm. So you don't buy once the banks are moving. Now, the banks have been down since March, April 2015. So that's probably why Ben's saying that. But that's the reason why you need to look at the banks right now. Yeah. Because they are so freaking awesome. They are the best performing stocks on the marketplace. Combank is one of the best performing stocks in our market over I the last 30 years. I wouldn't say NAB is, though. NAB pretty poorest. ordinary. Mm. But you're talking about Westpac and, and Combank are yeah. brilliant stocks to own. Mm. And other banks are brilliant. They'll run 100%. Mm. It's so a great stock. When you don't think you should be buying something, it's probably generally the time you th probably should. Macquarie's just outperformed anyway because it really wasn't impacted. 400% mm. since the GSE Macquarie. Mm. So I don't know how that's not going somewhere. Look, I mean, the great thing about mm. BOQ, it is actually above a trend line on the monthly chart. I'm, I'm not going to mm. put it on the chart right now, no, but don't. it's actually um, trading above that, which looks great. Um, it's come back to an important level. But as I said, the $10 mm. mark could be important for it moving forward. I'm just going to put the crosshair on there so you can see that. And then the next level over and above that will be somewhere up around that $11.70, $12 could be act as further resistance. But if the stock continues to rise this week, now let's just have a look at that weekly chart. We could see a pullback. I'd like to see it actually come back for a week or two and then press on higher so that it, it would actually bode well. We're just filling this gap at the moment on the weekly chart and that's what we're seeing. And that's why the opens and closes are just hovering there at around the same level. So Bank of Queensland um, looks really nice at the moment. Uh, New Farm oh, shot up Ooh, like yeah. a rocket, didn't it? Yeah. Um, look, over the past few weeks, it's really done nothing and gone sideways. I think we did talk about this some weeks ago, and I can't remember what we discussed. But look, the monthly swing was up at the time. Um, the stock actually looked quite good at the time. 
and then started to move sideways. Yeah, so a lot of our a lot of our students bought in around August. Yeah. August. Look, mm. I mean, the market often knows what's going on before mm. it actually gets announced. And when I see these sorts of pullbacks here, I'm really sus on the whole yeah. whole thing that um, goes on. Because then, of course, um, and I'm not saying that this is what occurred, but I've, I'm talking about another um, t- another example where there was a takeover. And um, the stock actually was sold down prior and then it shot up and then they were able to announce that, oh, we're, we're offering a, mm. a huge premium to what the, the, the five-week moving average was or whatever the VWAP was, um, the, the volume-weighted average was for over a period. Mm. And so it makes it sound really good to investors. But in actual fact, the stock had actually traded down prior to the announcement happening. Correct. And there had been negotiations going on um, or discussions happening with board members and then the price had fallen away. So, you know, what I was thinking was that at, for that particular stock at the time, it was actually worth, the, the gains were insignificant in my opinion, and it was actually not, um, the offer was actually below what I would like to see for the share. Mm. So often when I'm looking at stocks and I see them gap up on news, I'm actually looking at it to see, well, what is it really worth? But not from a fundamental point of view, more from a technical point of view. Um, and right now, I think that um, New Farm, it w- looking at the stock, it probably would have traded up anyway to that point. Maybe just not as quick as what it Maybe did. Maybe not as quick. I know what's happened to a few stocks that we bought over the years. We get in and then it jumps by 20, 30% in, the, in a couple week, few weeks or a month or two after we buy it. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's sometimes it's quicker than what we expect, but it's, it's telling you to do that anyway. Mm. Um, and I know on our student chat, um, I've been looking at the last couple of days, just catching up since I've just got back, and there's a few of our students doing really well at the moment on this one. Uh, oh, just, some, just using some simple rules, which is really, really good. So we've got. What student? Um, did they have they done the diploma or what? They yeah, these are just diploma students. Just okay. diploma students. Are these um, the ones you're mentoring? No, 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 no. These are just ones. So the the private group in our Facebook page just for diploma advanced diploma students. Okay. So, so not trading mentor students, um, but it's just diploma and advanced. But diploma. even on trading mentor rules, you could have got in on that. Yeah, they would have stock. got in if they were looking at the stock. Mm. Yeah. Cause I know I did look at it. I think I did analyze it for the trading uh, mentor students of uh, a month or two months ago. I think I had a couple of questions. Okay. On it. But we got now. We've got Fisher and Paykel. Isn't Fisher that interesting? Have we? Yeah. Where's that one? FPH, That's not on my list, is it? No, you read it out to me. Oh, did I? Um, FPH, look at that on the monthly chart. You can see there, that nice trend up. Uh, the stock is continuing to just, that angle of the trend is just holding, isn't it? It's beautiful. Hmm. Let's get, um, uh, we got a trend line up there. I'll just, it's, this is actually not a trend line I'm drawing. It's just the angle of the trend I'm most interested in, but it's continuing with hmm. that sort of trajectory. And you can't ask more from a stock than that. But looking at this, interesting that the stock actually made a lower low in August 2019, lower than that prior low, and then continued to rise. This could indicate that it's heading towards a slowdown because these tops here um, were quite close together. If we if, if it tops out again in a month or so, um, then we may see a bit of a slowdown on the stock from there. Mm. So looking at it right now, it looks solid. I'd wait to see what it does at the end of the week. But if you're holding the stock, you know, I'd continue holding it. It looks good. Okay. All right. So Ramsey. that's FPH. Ramsey, Ramsey we're Blackmores. looking at. Ramsey, Ramsey and Blackmores. Blackmores. So eCorso is asking about Ramsey, and then we've got Blackmores yep. by somebody. I'll do Ramsey quickly. Danny. Um, Ramsey, Dale Thompson, I think, wants it, I think. Ramsey looks good. It's just come off a bottom. Um, a nice bar. I'd like to see an, a, you know, a few weeks up yet um, before we know that the low's in, but it looks like it could be in. Um, it had taken out this low here in April 2019, which has just come back and checked that 
bottom there, but notice how the close on last month's bar was really strong. I'll just open up that chart so you can see it. You don't have to get your uh, magnifying glass out to see what I'm talking about. You can see there the close is actually really high on the bar, uh, which is nice to see. Not quite above the open, but it's a good move nonetheless. So we'd, we'd like to see this stock push back up. There's a resistance level there at about 68.70. We could see that move happen over the coming weeks. So continue to watch um, Ramsey Healthcare. Uh, the next one you had on the list was Blackmores. Blackmores. Do you the buy their the Drunk Ninja's back on, and he's asking everybody to like it. I noticed that last week. You get hello, you get, Drunk Ninja. You get a couple hundred people watching the show, but you got thirty likes, and it's like, well, why don't people like it if they're watching the show? Like it. Yeah, that's exactly right. Thank you. Um, Support looking, the show. Looking at the the stock, you can see a really mm. nice orderly pullback. Now you might be thinking to yourself, what's Janine talking about? But this is a specific pattern, which if you study the market as, as we teach it, then you'll understand what I'm talking about. Mm. Um, it looks like it may be reversing that trend down. Uh, we don't have confirmation yet, although this week it's actually moved higher than last month's bar, and that's a really good sign to see, but very early days yet for the big for the longer term. Off the bottom, you can see a few weeks up, which looks really good, but it's met a resistance level there. Um, over the short term, we can see $91.50 is mm. holding it back. So we're just seeing a little bit of a sideways there at the moment. Sideways moving, you can see why, looking at the bigger picture, it could move up closer to 90, 91 um, before this tops out. So it'll be interesting to see where it closes at the end of the week. But look, even though this is, looks great for the stock, I really would like to see it actually pull back test support um, from the seller. See, see if we can exhaust the sellers and then see the buyers come back into it again. Because remember when mm -hmm. stocks make lows, you're often seeing um, speculators trying to get in at the bottom before the big money starts to move back into it. And once the big money starts moving back into it, they'll actually be trying to buy up the stock and you'll see it move sideways before it then kicks higher. And when we see these sorts of moves happening, the big money's starting to offload it. And that's what investors often don't realise, that mm. broker reports come out telling you that, oh, this is a great opportunity and often company announcements happen around that time. But institutions are already aware of what's likely to be announced at the time. I and so they people don't understand that, do no, they? No. And they're, this is one of the things that I observed and monitored when I first started mm. trading the share market and charting stocks. And you told me to hand chart. And I instead of chart, hand charting a few, I hand charted 20 because I was just so crazy about the share market. and But I also mm. observed what the announcements were because that's how I started in the share market, actually following announcements, following people's reports and finally realising that I was following the wrong stuff. And then watching what was happening with the share price when the, the, those reports come out. So I'd suggest that you take notes and observe that sort of thing and watch what's happening with the price action over time. Not just that week when the announcement comes out. Watch it in the lead up to the announcement and then weeks and months later to see what unfolds. It's yeah, really this, fascinating. I know, I know when I used to do, remember the Seeds of Wealth seminar I used to do years ago. That's now a DVD that's for okay. our investment pack called The Seeds of Wealth. That but I used to do that ago. three hours live and I yeah. used to talk about how brokers work and people don't understand with a broker they get paid commission so they, mm. and they only get paid when you trade when you buy or sell and what people don't understand is you're not a big client with the big clients for the brokers are the big institutions so the big fund managers and so they make 90% of their money at least from the institutions because they're the ones trading every day even through a GFC institutions are still buying stock because if they're selling Somebody's selling, somebody's buying. Mm. You can't sell a stock unless somebody actually buys it. So the brokers actually work for all the institutions. And if Mr. A&P is selling, 
let's say he's selling a huge chunk of BHP. He's giving it to the broker to say, you need to sell this many BHP. Now the broker's gonna go out and go, oh, now what do I need to do? I need to get a market for people to buy BHP off Mr. AMP or Mr. BT or whoever the big end of town is. And so they put out a nice report saying buy BHP because they're asked to sell that stock on behalf of the institution. So that's exactly what they're gonna do. Because then they earn the commissions from the institutions, but they earn the commission from selling it to you. And their job's made a whole lot easier if there's been a nice report that's come yeah, out. Yeah, and so they mm. just wait for the nice report so mm. they know what's happening, or BHP says, oh, we're gonna do this, or we're gonna do that. And then they go bang, and then they sell off the stock for AMP, and we see that. And people don't understand that the brokers I know lots of brokers and there's a lot of brokers that are good friends of mine, but I would, would I ask them for trading advice? Never, because their job is to buy and sell an asset and that's all they do for an institution and selling it to somebody else. And it's like, I ask people, do you, do you trust real estate people? Mm. You know, and the answer is 99 times out of 100 is no, I don't trust a real estate person, agent. agent. Mm. But that's really what a broker is. It's a person in the middle of the transaction satisfying a buyer and a seller. Now, I, I know two real estate agents that I trust implicitly, both are personal friends of mine, and they're the only two people I'll ever listen to about property and let buy or sell property for me mm. because I've dealt with a lot of, lot of real estate agents and we know how colourful they make, to, make the things sound in the property and they hide all the defects in the property. Well, brokers do the same thing. They're not going to tell you the bad stuff. They're just going to tell you the good stuff to make you buy it or tell you bad stuff if they want you to sell it because the institution wants to buy it. So, and really, that's really how the market actually works. And I, I remember I told a story years ago about getting all the big glossy brochures from the, bro from the brokers. Yep. They, every year they put out what's good. And I did, for a couple of years, I did all the recommendations they said to buy and all the recommendations they said to sell. And I watched them for the year and they did the same two years running. And two years running, the sell recommendations outperformed the buy recommendations hand over fist completely. And mm. I went, well, that tells me I'm not going to use a broker yep. for my recommendations because they're not serving you, they're serving somebody else. And unless you understand how to buy and sell and manage your own portfolio and do your own research and know why you're buying and why you're selling and how you're managing your portfolio, then you're going to be at mercy to all this misinformation and not having a good portfolio and that's really what we're trying to help you understand is with this diversification tonight is you don't need to go outside just look at a smaller number of stocks and trade those and you'll make far more money so you'll actually do less trading you'll make far more money and I think that's pretty cool. I think that makes it so much easier for just the average person mm. to be able to run their own portfolio. Yeah it is it mm. really really is and what we do is and some people say to me what do you really do Dale and I go I simplify your life and I make you more money. Mm. It's simple because a lot of people like you, that video you showed last week, that lady, um, I can't remember what her name is, Veronica, I think it is. Yeah, Veronica. Veronica she said she was spending so many hours a mm. week. And I remember the long conversation, you only saw a little bit of that. Mm. She said, I spend hours and hours every week researching, reading reports, reading books, doing all sorts of stuff. Yeah, why? And We've she all, said, we, you're well, going to cut. I've done that. You've done it. Yeah. We've all been there. Yeah. And she said, Dar, you're cutting out all the crap for me and yeah. giving me a targeted thing. So I'm spending less time to get better knowledge so that I spend less time later and make more money. It's mm. really what it's about. And people don't often realise that. So I, could, I used to spend hours just reading through mm. all the articles in the Fin Review yeah. and I'd cut out important articles that I thought, okay, I'll let, I've got research on mm. this, I've got research on that. Um, in the end, I could have just looked at a chart and mm. seen the These reality. These are the days before YouTube. Now YouTube's yeah, taken over from so the Fin Review now, and everything. It? And people mm. spend hours watching YouTube and they get nowhere mm. from that point of view. But 
We've run out of time. Oh, have we? We have actually run out of time. So, but um, but hopefully you enjoyed tonight's show. And again, you know, as I said, Janine and I are really here to tell you what we feel and what we think and give you our experience. And sometimes you're going to like what we say, and sometimes it's going to make it be really challenge you what we're saying and and really challenge your your thinking about how the market works or how reality is for you because what you've been sold what you've been sold because Mm. your perception is your reality it may not necessarily be somebody else's and Jenny and I do trade tens of millions of dollars and we've been doing this for you know a hell of a long time I've been teaching traders for over 20 years and Janine's been with us me 17 years, 16, I don't know, but I've known Janine for 20 years at least anyway. But uh, And so we've been doing this for a long time, so we're not going to colour code it for you. We're just going to tell you straight because if we colour code it, then you're going to make the wrong decisions. And if we shoot it to you straight, then you're likely to have a think about things before you take your next step in the marketplace or place that next trade. So but as I said, we do hope you enjoyed tonight's show. Thanks for participating. We didn't get through to all the questions and all the comments, but it really is about you learning about moving forward and, and really doing it. And as Janine said earlier in the show, put down why you're thinking about a stock. Don't just, we still had people saying, can you look at ABC, basically? Mm-hmm. And really, you need to start thinking about, you need to understand what you're doing. And that's why we keep pushing that on you. So, but uh, thanks for participating. If you'd like to see the show grow, then remember to share it on your social media and like, put that like button, click it right now and like the show and also subscribe to the channel. But tell your friends and colleagues, the more people that join, the more we can share and the more Janine and I can do. We've just bought some more equipment. We're testing it out. So we're going to take the show to another level over the next month. So you're going to see some more changes again. Do we have buttons where you can hit the button and press a trap door and you disappear? No, no I've got a, it's like a, it's the opposite. It's like a plane. I thought you'd have I, a rocket seat or something. Yeah, it is. That's what I'm just saying. It's like bang and the canopy goes off <laughs> and I go through the roof. I go up, I don't go down. <laughs> also make sure that you put this show into your calendar so that you're back online next Tuesday at 7 p.m. If you cannot be with us live next week, we're always happy to receive your questions. So send them to info at wealthwithin.com.au. Just type Wealth Within Live in the subject line. Now, while that brings us to the end of the show, as I said, and we really do hope you enjoyed it, uh, um, as we really do enjoy bringing it to you. And a lot of people say, you guys love what you do. We can tell that you do. And we are. We're very, very passionate about it. And we love you to make money. And that's really what Janine and I hear. If we help you make money, that's better. So, but thanks for taking part. We'll see you again next Tuesday at 7 p.m. So for now, goodbye, good luck, and good trading. Are you going to sing the Geelong theme song as as an outro. We are Geelong. We are the greatest team of all. Happy trading. (laughs) Bye guys. (laughs) Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.